Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Mary. Yes, Jillian. I feel like I need like a double espresso today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. I mean, wait, as I hold my Contigo, Uh, which holds 24 ounces of coffee. I think that's plenty. It's plenty. But maybe I do need a double espresso as we head into family systems (laughs) conversation. I'm like a little bit shaky. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, before we dive in, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Because I love this stuff. I know you do. <laughs> so Here's your crank. I have people, I've given Jillian permission to hold me back. Because yeah. oh, if okay. I'm going to go down this pathway that is making absolutely no sense to people. We're all going to need double espressos, chocolate, and popcorn. Okay, so this happened to me <laughs> over the summer. Okay. Um, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and she's very, very smart. She's a medical doctor and all. She goes, you know, when you talk sometimes, Mary... It sounds so good, but it's really hard to track what you're saying. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? So then I asked you, yes. I asked Peter, I asked uh, Wendy, I asked other people. I said, so like, oh, I asked people I used to work with too. I'm like, is it true that I'm sometimes hard to understand? And all of you said yes. Yeah, but we love you and you're so enthusiastic. <laughs> so we don't want to be your killjoys, man. So and all that to say is, if I go down that road, I've given um, Jillian permission to go, what? Stop. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm just going to go like the, you know, when you <laughs> do the thing across your neck that goes cut, I'm going to do that. Well, you you need to say it to the people <laughs> okay. so they're hearing because right. they can't see you or hear you going. True. Well, unless you go. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So um, I'm doing okay, but I... You know, as we were, I was driving in today on the 401. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, that was a disaster. Mm. Um, I was thinking about my own anxiety about entering this conversation. Mm. And I was feeling very overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I was feeling anxious. And um, uh, when those two things happen and I'm drinking coffee, then I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And then I was looking forward to the heated toilet seat. So, hey, there's a heated toilet seat here. So you know that I look forward to doing my business here. But I was thinking, why am I feeling overwhelmed by Mm, this? mm -hmm. And so, listeners, please hear me. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, Mm. you have permission to sit on the couch with me, Mm. with your coffee or your tea, Mm -hmm. and feel that with me. Mm -hmm. Um, If you felt last time when we were even introducing the concept ickiness, some pushback, some pff, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, that's okay. Cause mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because when I look at family systems theory and it's a theory mm-hmm. developed by a very, very smart human being, mm-hmm. but it feels big yeah, and it feels scary. yeah, And it feels like you're walking into this big unknown, mm. like a boogie house. Yes. Not a boogie get down house. <laughs> Which is fun. <laughs> but like like those carnival boogie houses that, you know, every you time you turn around, there's like up. Yeah. some dysfunctional mirror that's going to show you the uglies. <laughs> like yes. that's kind of what it feels like. Oh, what a good analogy. It is You true. know? Yeah. And you don't know who's going to pop out at you and scare the mm-hmm. heck out of you. So yeah. that's what it feels like. So 
get in the carnival ride with me mm. and let's do it together. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because sometimes I'm in my own world so much I forget what it's like for people who are uh, exploring these uh, ideas and concepts and personalizing it uh, from, you know, like it's new to them. Well, not only is it new to us. Yeah. And when you sent me the overview, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But not only is it new to us, it's scary. Yes. Well, I was going to say, when I initially start working with clients, um, uh, one of the very first things I always want to reassure them of, especially because they're coming with their histories and their traumas Mm -hmm. and their own anxieties, is that they're in the driver's seat. That... Uh, at any point, if they feel uncomfortable and want to pause or stop, they are more than welcome to hold up a stop sign and say, stop. Right. And I will uh, gently encourage people down a particular road, but they are uh, absolutely able to tell me, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So I think that if you can go into this journey that, yes, it's unknown, but you could at any point leave this house. What did you call it? The... House of Mirrors? The boogie house. The boogie house. You can leave the boogie house or you can stop. Or you can throw on all the lights and see all the stupid stuff. You can throw on all the lights and see all the stupid stuff. Yeah. Whatever you need to do, because I know you're with us because you wouldn't be listening to our podcast otherwise. Yeah. But you need to know that you have control over how this journey unfolds for you. And if you're listening to this episode and it's not the right day to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Just hit pause. And when you're ready... Resume. That's right. Because it may not be the right day for you to be listening to this particular episode yeah. when you've just battled the kids getting out the door. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, you know, we also all come to adulthood with, regardless of our family upbringing, there are uh, painful moments and memories and experiences. And then, of course, I know uh, our listeners that many of you have also experienced trauma and abuse. So this is not meant to be a therapy session. Uh, And if you are getting triggered to the point where uh, it feels unbearable, not only would I encourage you to put a stop to it, but if you don't have a therapist, go and find one. Right. If you do have a therapist, just go and process with them and do this safely and um, do it gently. So I have heard sometimes when Jillian and I share our stories and we're emotional, it sometimes uh, raises up emotions in you as well. And I give you full permission, as Jillian does, to grieve if you need to yeah. or to put it on hold as you need to. Absolutely. So, and th- so that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing I would ask you to keep in mind is, uh, especially for those of us who are raised in um, evangelical circles where we're taught to respect our parents, is that it can feel very uncomfortable to say negative things about our family of origin. Yeah. So this is not meant to blame them. This is about insight. And we're going to look at things clearly so that we can understand the, the forces that shaped us growing up, so that we can do better, that we can change. I mean, the whole thing about insight is that it, we actually now know how we can change something. Yes, absolutely. So the, the diagnostic every, part is so important. And you know what? As I reflect on what you just said, mm. I think every generation does this at some point, mm-hmm. whether they share it. Yes, whether they um, inform the next generation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we hear about things in our family that we didn't know about until we're much older, yeah, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, well, that makes sense now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yesterday I just did an intake for an assessment for an adult uh, male uh, on the possibility of ADHD. And he's from a Southeast Asian culture, and highly educated father and successful and all that kind of stuff. And as he was 
as I was asking him questions about it, is very apparent that none of his family have been diagnosed with ADHD, although this person himself shows all the signs and markers of it. And when he kind of looks back at his family of origin, he realizes that his dad likely had it as well, but right. it wasn't uh, uh, identified. And just the sheer amount of shame that this uh, man carried and low self-esteem and self-criticism because of him not being identified, dad not being identified and all of those things. So you're going to step into the, that type of muck. Yes, but, absolutely. But um, remember grace, uh, reach out to friends who will walk with you in grace as well and uh, professional help as you need to. So so, okay. so th- that is that piece. And then we're not here to blame, but let's get honest with what may be going on and it's going to take layers and layers and it may stir up feelings of anger uh, that you don't feel you can do anything about it because you still want to respect your family uh, or they're no longer here and that's okay like Mm -hmm. we part of maturity is the ability to tolerate our emotions and not have an answer for it oh I love that okay so like that's again if you're feeling it you can do ways to self-soothe um, reach out into friends through prayer, whatever you need, and you don't have to figure it out. This is not right. about figuring out perfectly. This is just about growing in insight. Good. Okay. Sounds That's good. Very freeing. Okay. Yes. So the the basics of family systems theory is the understanding that the family is a system. It's an emotional unit. So we're not all individuals. Yes, we're individuals, but we're individuals brought together in a system. So if you think about um, gears in a machine, when one gear is turning, it turns the one that's next to it, which turns the next one. So all these gears actually affect each other. So if you think about the family as an emotional unit, if there's any changes to one member of the unit, it absolutely will predictably impact the others and also cause compensation by the other members. Oh, yes. Does that and make as sense? You're, even as you say that, I'm thinking personally in my own marriage and family, mm-hmm. my children, mm-hmm. how when, you know, one of the gears mm-hmm. was hurting, yes. how the rest of us Absolutely. were doing through that. That's I, right. I can picture it in my mind. Right. And if you're raised in a family like I was, where we didn't talk about our emotions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like you can sense... There's something happening, but you can't talk about it. So everybody kind of goes inside themselves. And so that was why I still to this day, even though I do this for a living, still have a hard time tracking with how I actually feel about things. And I have to intentionally think and process and give myself space. And the number of times you've told me, Mary, like sit in it. Yes. Because I have to try to like let myself feel it. So um, this is what's actually happening, whether or not your family talks about it. So um, keep that in mind. Now, the other interesting thing I just said is that we're all individuals mm-hmm. and yet we're in the system together. So the, one of the biggest tensions that you, we as human beings will always have to work out is the tension between separating, individuating, um, having our own separate sense of self versus connection and and relating to the unit. Okay. So that's so key Mm. here. Um, And this idea, this word individuating, Mm -hmm. if you could just like 
unpack that a tiny bit. Right. Because it's a big word and I've heard that word before. Yeah. Um, so if you could just unpack what that word individuating means would be really helpful. Sure. Well, uh, when a, a baby is born, they're utterly dependent on their parent and they actually, um, babies don't see themselves as separate from their parents. And that's why they experience such distress when you're apart from them. Right. Um, but as they grow, they start to realize that actually they're a separate being from their parents. And uh, if they do A, then B happens. If they do C, then D happens. And there's a lot of experimenting that happens. Um, and especially it, you see it, it, it most markedly in two stages toddler years and teenage years. And guess what's happening at both of those stages? No. Yeah. And you can't make me. (laughs) And that is actually because that uh, child is learning to separate out their own feelings, opinions, wants, and desires apart from their parents. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Right. So with that though, because we are also wired for relationship and connection, in fact, relationships feel safe to us. Mm-hmm. or at least healthy relationships, uh, we need each other. And so there's uh, fear of separation, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, all of those natural things that come because we are a social species that needs each other. So there's kind of this tension, this push and pull. Exactly. I want to be my own person. Yeah. I want to acknowledge my own needs and have my own needs met, but yet I want to be connected to you and I want to be you know, uh, loved by you and in community with you and right. feel safe with you. Exactly. Exactly. And how do you meet both? Right. So I'll give you an example. I was just away on a family trip mm-hmm. and uh, I really wanted to have this incredible experience. We were in Korea and uh, we we're going to go to this fish market and I was going to pick the biggest crab possible. And they take the crab up to one of the restaurants and they cook it for you right there and then. So I really want to do that. That was my plan going in. Of all the meals, I had to do this thing. Well, when push came to shove, we almost didn't go because my need to connect to the group and nobody else wanted to have crab as much as I did. And it was going to be an expensive meal. Yep. And I was going to sacrifice all this money for something that only I wanted. So the individuation there about pursuing what I want versus what the group wants and my connection to them and not wanting them to feel ripped off or whatever it might be, that was the tension I had to work through. And what was the outcome? I had my crab. (laughs) (laughs) But to be honest with you, uh, my daughter intervened. So she sensed the tension and she said, you know, we've come all this way to Korea for you to experience this, mom. Like, just enjoy it. Wow. I know. I love her to pieces. Oh. She's so mature. So, wow. That Thank you. Because that that's the push and pull. That's the push right? and pull. Like, I have this fantasy, this dream of having this crab and this restaurant. Yes. And I've watched this on, you know, TV and I, I've done the research. But yet, am I selfish? Right. With my own needs. That's right. That's right. Am I imposing my own needs on the mm-hmm. group? Yeah. And uh, another, like, that's a simple example. Yes. But think about all the things that our kids growing up, and that also we as kids growing up, we're always wrestling through, yeah. whether it's values that don't align with our parents, 
Uh, it could even be religious beliefs. Yep. Uh, both my kids, they are um, defining what faith means like for them. And they're going pathways that I didn't go and are choosing different things. And I have to be okay with that. It's their individual journey. Yes, that's right. And uh, they have to be okay that they may be going against tradition, their family tradition. And, uh, and there's going to be anxiety for them where they have to pursue or believe something just to belong. Oh, yeah. That's not Ugh. good. I don't want that. No. And so. I just think of how expansive that is, um, not only from, uh, let's say, a religious standpoint or a faith standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint. Absolutely. When we individuate from our culture. Exactly. Right? Yes. That is tricky, too. Yes. So it's a constant. So we're always in a constant state of anxiety over this tension, whether we acknowledge it or not. It's always there. And we have our different ways of coping, whether we shut it down, whether we... In fact, one of the concepts of family systems theory is on the concept of cutoff. Yeah. So some of you may have had difficult relationships in your past with your family and you've just cut them off. Mm-hmm. And then you may think that that's individuating, but actually it's not because you haven't actually resolved uh, what's going on with them uh, as it relates to you, you have, there hasn't been healing. You. It's still affecting you. So, but the, so cutoff is actually a coping mechanism against the anxiety. Oh, okay. Of that tension of individuating from your family and and not wanting, but still at the deep, deep level. Like we we say this. Like how many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, long for our parents' approval? Oh. Even if our relationship is 110% crap, of us. But yeah. we will deny it. We'll like say, I don't, I don't value whatever. But deep down, they have such power to hurt us because of that thing. Right. Oh, man. So, um, so we're always managing that anxiety within ourselves, but also within the system. Mm-hmm. And then we mature. We enter new systems, whether it's our friendship groups, whether it's workplace, whether it's classroom, whether it's our church. And so we bring our internal system into that new system. And we're always trying to work out our family of origin stuff into that new um, system. Wow. And you think, you know, if you have, um, I have four siblings, mm-hmm. well, including myself, there's four siblings. Yeah. Every one of us, you know, married mm-hmm. into another system. Right. Exactly. So right. think about how complex it gets. So, and then, and then play this forward into our society. So our culture is an, made up of multiple systems that is now this broader system. Sure. And a lot of the dysfunction we're seeing in the culture is actually dysfunction from family systems. See, this is the yikey part of it. I know. This is the part that hurts because right. we. it's easier to go that's happening out there mm. and this is the reason for it rather than I'm in my family system contributing to the chaos out exactly. there. Exactly. Isn't that... Isn't so that's why it gets yikey It for gets me. very yikey, but uh, not that I want to d- diminish the yikes, the yucks. It's uh, like we actually have an influence on the systems around us and it can be positive or negative. Yeah. And we can choose. That's right. That goes back to, I'm not going to give up on me. I'm not going to give up on so me. So I'll, I'll listen in, I'll push through exactly. this family system theory because I can have an impact mm. in dealing with this mm-hmm. on my marriage. Mm. I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. My marriage, yeah. my parenting of two adult children, mm-hmm. 
my grandparenting mm-hmm. and future generations. Uh, absolutely. Let alone all the communities you're a part of. Of course. Yes. So um, it, it is pretty much a given, like I said. Um, you can't just shut it all down and pretend it doesn't exist. So as human beings, remember, we've talked about this before. We are designed to survive. And so the stuff in our brain that goes off when we feel like we're in danger Mm -hmm. causes certain responses in us. And the response can be either to, um, like, get aggressive, fight, fight, or to get uh, passive, withdraw. Right. Right? Uh, Whatever it might be. And And then there's a lot of behaviors around even those those kinds of things. But then that flight one... Yeah is also going back to what you said where, you know, the individual cuts off from the family. That's That's right. That's a complete flight response. It is, absolutely. And so then the challenge with that is that you're actually only just responding and reacting and you're not actually choosing better, which is the problem. Uh, So if you don't deal with the junk in the trunk, as I call it, and, you know, I've (laughs) talked about it a lot. Yep. Uh, you you are absolutely bringing it into any new relationship and systems that you're part of. So that's why it's so important. Until we do our own work as individuals with our family of origin systems, we can't help but bring the dysfunction that we have, the anxieties, the reactions, the false beliefs, all that into any new system. You know, I wish, like I think to myself... Um, the Irish are really, really good at looking back at history. <laughs> but um, one of the things I wish is that this was the kind of marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling we had before mm. we got married. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this would have hopefully mm-hmm. made some differences in those early years as we're bringing two family systems together. That's right. And trying to create our own new family system. That's right. Yeah. And, and also, if I don't own my own anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, so one of the things that's so fascinating is about how catchy anxiety is. Because when you're anxious, your brain is on hyper alert for any possible danger. So uh, it, it, it's a survival mechanism that happens. And if I'm with you and I'm really anxious, your survival mechanism can't help but kick in. Because then you're starting to worry about your safety, whatever the issue is. And then the two of us can continue to escalate this anxiety. And then we'll be reactive. We might blame each other. We might do all sorts of not so helpful things. So even as you're thinking about that, um, uh, maybe I can pause enough to ask you, or wait, I will ask you to think about it while I share our personal experience. Okay. Um, so in my family of origin, my, um, and we're going to talk about this more in a, another episode, so I don't want to go into too de- much detail, right. but just to give an example, give some context. Um, my dad was very overt in his expression of anger. Like he was a sweet, warm guy until he wasn't. Right. And then when he was angry, he was over the top angry and he physically punished us as well. Uh, And then my mom, how she handled her anger was she would withdraw. She would give us a silent treatment. And I've talked about this before. So my awareness of that is so important because now when I react to other people, if I sense that they're angry or frustrated or they're silent, I get all sorts of anxious feelings inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And then in that, what I do as a two on the Enneagram is I try to fix it, repair it. I suck up to the person, do whatever it is to try to minimize this anxiety. So that's an example. Yeah. Well, I've, I've spoken about this before too. Um, 
Um, in our household, um, you know, my mom, if she was upset, angry with us, mm-hmm. she withdrew like your mom. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> for me, if I walked into the house and kind of took the temperature, yeah. read the anxiety yeah. in the air, yeah. even as a young child, mm-hmm. I would wonder, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. was I the cause of this? Mm-hmm. Um was I the one, the catalyst of what, how the temperature in the room had changed? And see, this is why it's so important for us to do our work. Yeah. Because you took on the anxiety of your family. Yeah. And you took it on as if it's your own. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've said this before on previous podcasts, but when we're working with kids who are anxious, there is always an anxious parent as well, whether you acknowledge it or not. And yes, there's certain temperaments, there's some genetics and all of those things going on. But that is so important, like what you just shared. Yeah. So important for people to realize. So that's the sort of uh, underpinning of uh, family systems theory. And then it has eight different concepts. And we're not going to go into all of it because we're going to focus on the ones that's probably most uh, relevant to what we want to talk about this season. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, there's so much information out there. We could put a link um, to the family systems theory, mm-hmm. um, so that if you want to read all the information behind it, because some of you are going to be really interested in this, um, you can do that. But we're going to focus on the ones where we really feel that you'll make a connection to what we're saying. Right. Um, so for this particular episode, I'm going to just share two concepts, and then we're going to sort of unpack it a bit. And then the next one, we're going to share a couple more related to the family of origin stuff. Great. Uh, sorry, that's going to be in two times. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about the anxiety some more because that's a biggie. Right? Okay. Um, so the one of the most important concepts around uh, the family system is uh, the differentiation of self, which is a big fancy word uh, for that thing I was talking about, the individuating, the separating of self. Um, and uh, we all vary in our ability to adapt and cope to the demands of life and to reach our goals. It's kind of on a spectrum of how much we are able to cope on our own mm-hmm. versus our need for others. So it's the spectrum of what they use the word of fusion, which I like, because if you're really highly dependent on others, then you're fused to them. So there's high risk for you to separate from the group because uh, you're dependent on them for your emotional well-being. To the other extreme, uh, where there is more differentiation, I shouldn't say extreme, that sounds bad, to a point of differentiation. But differentiation is not cut off because a properly healthy differentiated person has clarity around who they are, confidence in who they are and their values, but are still emotionally connected to their system. You know, that's, it's, it takes me back to that situation that you shared with us about, you know, being in Korea. Yeah. Your needs, you know, being kind of questioned by the group in a way, mm-hmm. but your daughter picking up on your needs. Yes. And you were trying to differentiate from the group, mm-hmm. but yet still want to belong to the group. Exactly. And that fusion piece was creating quite a bit of tension. It was. It was. And I think... Internally for you. It was. And the fact that my daughter spoke up was her picking up on my anxiety yeah. and then her trying to resolve it for me. And how many times can we as listeners think of times in our families mm-hmm. where 
we've picked up on something and spoken up. Exactly. Or wanted to speak up and maybe didn't. That's right. That's right. So the key is <clears throat> that um, it is a spectrum. We're not perfect on it. And there are going to be some relationships where more we are more differentiated than others. So for example, uh, in my professional life, I'm so much more uh, able to be differentiated. <laughs> but in my personal life, in my family life, and even in my friendships, it's harder for me because I have uh, a greater fear of loss of connection with those uh, important people in my life. Yeah, Not that I, the people I work with aren't important, but I can separate a bit more objectively I, from I that. think that's true of many of us. Yeah, right? so a well-differentiated person's uh, intellect, belief systems, uh, what they think about can operate separately from the emotional system. So I can sense people's emotions, I can even feel my emotions, but I can separate from it and think objectively and clearly about the situation. And that allows me to be uh, calm, to not get pulled up into the chaos, emotional chaos that's happening around me, Mm -hmm. uh, to not just be a calm within myself, but for other people. And we're going to talk about that a bit more in the next episode around anxiety. I just got this picture of like the triage that happens when you go to the hospital. Right. Right? Yes. Where you could be in crisis, mm-hmm. and yet the nurse that's caring for you mm-hmm. to you know, take all your vitals is calm. Exactly. And soothing. Yeah. And that has a ripple effect on your family members. Absolutely. It calms everybody around. down. Yeah. It helps you. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. if she's freaking out, <laughs> I know. He's freaking out. I know. <laughs> you think you're really yes. in trouble. That's right. So... Yes. So we, we do need each other and it really does help, but we can be that calm presence as well. Mm. So just to um, summarize, differentiation is our ability to separate ourselves while still being connected. So good. Okay. Now, so that's uh, one of the important concepts. The second concept that we're going to talk about, and we're going to linger on this a little bit, is something called triangulation which sounds so fancy, fancy. It sounds so fancy and it sounds so um, like I can picture a triangle. Yes. So kind of walk us through right. what that triangle looks like in family systems Right. Theory. So it's a three-person configuration. Okay. And uh, it's the building block of any system, actually. Um, and uh, it's, the, the, it's triangles itself is neutral. Uh, because we are always functioning in triangles. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm having a conversation with you. My son enters the room. Oh, right away, we're a triangle right there. So it's a constant. And any organization is always made up of a lots and lots of triangles. But where it becomes dysfunctional and where it calls, it's called, dis, um, called triangulation is when we try to bring somebody in to solve a problem. So let's say okay. you and I are having a disagreement on technology here, <laughs> and then Cam comes in, and we ask him to solve our problems, not technically, but so much so as I want him to say, I'm right. Yes. And you're wrong. Right. It's kind of like the ganging up on the other. Well, it is. It's pecking order. Yeah. Kind of stuff. I want to win the argument. Sure. Uh, I, I, and I, I'm going to pull in somebody else to do that. And another example would be, let's say you're angry at uh, your, um, your partner. And rather than talking to him directly, you're going to talk about it to your, your, your you. kid or me, <laughs> yeah. who's not even involved in the right. situation. So you're pulling them in to, to just like strengthen your own position in the argument. Yeah. And we see this all the time in workplaces, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I- exactly. Because when anxiety increases, we will always reach to that third person unless we're aware of it and going, oh, this actually isn't a good thing. 
let's not do this. But the number of times that happens is constant. It's always, whether it's, I have an issue with a coworker and rather than trying to resolve it with them, I go running to the boss, pull them in already, um, to, um, you know, just trying to get a, a coworker to help us resolve something. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not helpful to problem solve. It's just that when we're doing it because we have anxiety about what's going on or we're in a conflict situation and we're trying to bring somebody in, there's triangulation that happens. So one of the things I'm hearing from you is what is my motivation for reaching out to that third person? That's right. Is it to help mediate? Mm. Is it to get someone on my side mm-hmm. and prove that I'm right and mm-hmm. feel good about my values and decisions that I've made about the situation? Right. Like, so underlying, mm-hmm. what is the motivation to bring in that third person? Right, exactly. And so, um, you know, I think of my own family of origin and how triangulations happened. Mm-hmm. Because remember, we had four children in the family. There's mm-hmm. four siblings. Mm-hmm. My parents, but also my grandmother who lived with us. Right. Right? So lots of triangles going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, can, uh, can you think of a specific example of when a triangle in your family, uh, now that you look back, realize that it was actually quite dysfunctional? Okay, I'll give you a good example. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So um, my mom, uh, and we're immigrant family, right? So um, immigrant families, we're bonded, man. We know what that looks like. Yeah. So my parents, you know, um, both were hardworking people. um, And I was little and I was the youngest in the family. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother was at home Mm -hmm. without much to do. Mm except, you know, clean or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because she didn't have any outside interests, because mm-hmm. I'm talking on the phone, mm-hmm. we're friends. Mm-hmm. And what would happen on a Saturday, which would be my mom's day off, my dad's day off, mm-hmm. is my grandmother, who didn't drive, mm-hmm. would want to go shopping. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and my grandmother, and this is a very Irish thing too, right, mm-hmm. would go off and shop. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, wow, like, that was a, that was this interruption of my parents' time together, mm-hmm. of our time together with our parents, mm-hmm. because my grandmother's needs mm-hmm. and my mom's alignment to appease her, exactly. take her out shopping, yeah. because she'd been at home all week, mm-hmm. interrupted the other relationships. Right. Well, her mom would have been a greater source of anxiety. Oh, yes. And that's why your mom would have leaned into trying to manage that anxiety as opposed to her husband who was probably non-demanding and was just, you know, there to support her maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure they would have had conflict over this. Oh, I'm sure they would have had conflict about it. Yeah. Um, I have an example of triangulation in my family of origin and it, and it was, it has always been apparent growing up for me, but it was particularly apparent when my mom was ill and because my mom had cancer and she passed away eventually of it. And when she was going through treatment, my sister and I were the taking care of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister was the predominant caregiver. So uh, because they lived in California. So every time I would go, I would get pulled into this triangle. And it was very familiar because it happened all the time, except this time I wasn't having any of it. But the triangle that was happening was they would have some um, conflict going on between them. And my mom would pull me aside and she would start complaining about my sister. Now I was angry and affronted because I knew from talking to Hannah how much she she sacrificed to care for mom. Yeah. 
So I purposely, because I was so much healthier, (laughs) I said, you know what, mom, I think it'd be good for you to talk to Hannah directly um, instead of pulling me in. Cause she wanted me to go, you're right. How awful. How can Hannah have done those things? And of course I'm not going down there. Right. Um, and then at the same time, because I was an objective third party, I was able to go, and I know that Hannah didn't intend to, um, upset you with what she said. I know how hard she has worked on things. So give her a chance to, um, show that to you or talk to you about it. So that was an example of triangulation. It was very, very hard because there's times where I was, I I couldn't help but get sucked into it. Of course. Yeah. And you know, when, when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling anxious, Mm -hmm. um, we can get pulled into these things. Yes, exactly. And and it's a slippery slope because once yeah. you're pulled in, yeah. it's hard to get out. That's right. So um, triangulation, triangulation happens all the time. Uh, if you're um, co-parenting, if you're parents and you have a child, already there's a triangle that starts right. to form from that. So right. just being aware of how the child gets pulled into the triangle is really important. We'll talk more about this in a couple of episodes when we talk about our family of origin, because this is worth really lingering on to understand how uh, it plays out in your family of origin, but also in your current family. Yeah, system. and I imagine, you know, in step families this would even play out differently. Absolutely. Right? And because, there's again, many step families out there, so. Yeah, and lots of complex situations yes. mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, so that's sort of a overview of a few of the concepts of family systems. I hope it kind of makes sense. Um, would there be any questions you want to ask me, Jillian, or things that you think I need to clarify? Um, it's been helpful when you've used your own mm-hmm. examples, mm-hmm. um, and I've been able to get uh, an example in my mind or an image in my mind of the triangle or whatever. So I think that's been really helpful. It's taken a little bit of the, um, the yikiness mm-hmm. out of the theory. Mm-hmm. And whenever we can talk about how it's played out in our own lives, I think that's really helpful. So I don't have any specific questions. Okay, good. But I, I'm actually thinking in my own mind right now, you know, how at times in my life when I was differentiating in my family, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about some of the anxiety that that caused mm-hmm. within the family. Yeah. So I encourage our listeners to maybe think of that as you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I right now, I live with a three and a half year old, yes. almost four year old. Yes. And, um, you know, no is a big thing. No, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes, he loves French toast, but today he doesn't love French toast because that's not what he wants. So no, right. I don't like right. that. Right. Um, and, you know, how we play that out again in our uh, teenage life and then our adult life. So I can think about that. Mm-hmm. The triangulation one. I think is a concept that I'm glad we're going to unpack again yeah. because it's definitely worth unpacking. And I can see how triangulation has played out in my own marriage, mm-hmm. um, in the extended families, mm-hmm. like how it's played out even between siblings on both sides. Right. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. So I just encourage our listeners to think of some concrete examples in your own family so that these theoretical concepts can take root. Right, yes. And so because we're going to talk about triangulation a little bit more deeply, maybe I can ask our listeners to focus on the differentiation of self concept. Mm -hmm. So think about yourself as a toddler and, you know, whatever memories you have of that and yourself as a teenager. And think about how your parents reacted when you expressed a different opinion. 
or when you wanted to try something different, or when you disagreed with them, or when you said no. So all the times that now in retrospect, you can look back and kind of go, oh, those were my attempts to individuate. How did your parents react to it? Right. And so that's stuff that you're carrying inside of you. And, you know, we've talked about how much of a struggle for a lot of women it is to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how much of that difficulty with having a voice is linked to some um, dysfunction or some um, pain or some issues you had as you were individuating as an adult? Yeah. Good point, because it's playing out now. Yeah. In the workplace, in the yeah, community, and families yeah. as, as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for tuning in. Well, thank you for walking through us because that that it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very accessible. Thanks for making it accessible Good. for us, Mary. I mm-hmm. really appreciate that. All right. Well, tune in uh, the next uh, session. We're going to talk about uh, family systems theory as it relates to how we handle our anxiety and our reactivity. So much fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, thanks again, Mary, and we'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life Podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.